Connection Unpacked, where we discuss the pull of the past every week. I'm your host, Allison Treat. I'm an author of historical fiction and a freelance editor. Welcome to my show. Hello, fellow readers. Welcome to episode six of Historical Fiction Unpacked. Today, we're talking to Mira Lee Farrell. Mira Lee is an award-winning, best-selling author of 26 novels. Now, Mira Lee is a little bit different from some of our other guests in that she is a prolific author in multiple genres. Her most recent novel, From the Heart, will air this Sunday on the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries channel. We got to talk about that and about one of her other books, A Historical Romance, which is also being made into a movie for Hallmark. Lee also has some experience from the other side of publishing, as she is the owner and founder of Mountain Brook, Inc., a traditional publisher in its seventh year of business, with a number of award-winning and best-selling titles. Lee lives in the Pacific Northwest with her husband, two black cats, 16 chickens, and one very spoiled little dog. They have two children and four grandchildren, and she's an avid horsewoman and gardener. I had a really great chat with Miralee, and since there was so much to talk about, it's a little bit of a long conversation. So let's jump right in. Miralee Farrell, welcome to Historical Fiction Unpacked. Thank you. It's good to be here. You're a prolific author in several different genres. And first, we'll focus on one of your historical novels, a historical romance called Finding Love in Bridal Veil, Oregon. Can you tell us about this book? Yes, this this is a book I absolutely loved writing because it's it's actually in my own area. It's about, I live in the Columbia River Gorge, just to give you a little bit of background and set the stage for this particular book, which is the Columbia River runs between Washington and Oregon. That is the boundary line between the two states. And just barely east of Portland, Oregon, is used to be Bridal Veil. Bridal Veil does not exist anymore. Uh, there, the mm. falls, Bridal Veil Falls is, of course, still there, but the town is gone. There's a little okay. Bridal Veil post office that's still there. And there's a, a, a smattering of homes in the area, but there's no actual town as far as anything other than the post office. And just a little interesting um, side note here on the post office, this post office stays open. It, I think it's the second smallest one in the United States. It's, it's amazingly small. Uh, it's, it's not even as big as my office. Um, I'd say that the whole building is maybe 10 by 10 or 12 by 12 or something like that. It, it might be a smidge bigger, but not much, but wow. it stays open. <laughs> yeah. It stays open because people from all over the United States send their, well, young women send their um, in, wedding uh, announcements, invitations there, a whole box of them and ask that oh they be postmarked there with the bridal veil stamp <laughs> uh, postmark. Yeah. So that's where the book is is set, and it's um, actually probably about a 35-45 minute drive from my house, and it has just a ton of history, of amazing history, and there's author an author note that's about three pages long in the back of the book uh, of the things in the book that happened that actually were based on true events and the people that actually were real. The story is totally fiction, but I did weave some historic events into the book. And I met a wonderful man by the name of Tom Cowling when I read, wrote the book. And he took me through the area and up, up the mountainside to what used to be Palmer, the little town of Palmer up on the, uh, the hillside okay. that perches way up above. Uh, that was the logging. The whole thing started because of logging. So it was a sawmill town. So Palmer um, had the part of the mill and they processed the logs and then sent the logs on a log flume down the mountainside to the mill in uh, Bridalville. And mm -hmm. he had all of the history about the entire area. And he took us in the back roads and, and little nooks and crannies and told us things and showed us where different locations were and where buildings had been. And he grew up there. That's why he knew so much. So it was, oh, wow. uh, it was quite an experience. And it was a wonderful, wonderful book to write. Yes. That's the history. Can you give us an idea of the um, 
the story of this book? Yes, it is about a young woman named Margaret. And I will tell you, it's it's been, oh, gee, I'm going to have to look now. What year was this? Did this come out? I've got right. book it's been a while, but our listeners will find out later why I'm bringing this up, though. Right. Yeah, since it's, it's, it's 2010. <laughs> it's been 10 years. I can't believe that. September wow. 2010 that that book came out. So, so it's been a while we, since you had to give the elevator pitch, right? Yes. And, or since <laughs> I, um, I really had much to do with it as far as the characters. So right. do you mind if I read the back cover copy? Not at all. Go ahead. Okay. Against the backdrop of the breathtaking Bridalville Falls in a historic Oregon logging community, a school, te- school teacher finds herself torn between a past love and the man who could be her future. 16-year-old Margaret Garvey had promised her heart to Nathaniel Cooper the night he disappeared from town. Four years later, just as she's giving love a second chance with Andrew, a handsome logger. Nathaniel suddenly returns to town with a devastating secret. While grappling with the betrayal of those she trusted most, Margaret risks her reputation and position by harboring two troubled runaways who might be involved in the murder of a local man. And as disaster strikes the town and threatens the welfare of its citizens, Margaret will be faced with the most important choice of her life. So it is a romance and a mystery. Uh, the combination of the two. And this is something I've done in several of my books, including my kids' horse books, is I've woven a mystery. Not all of my books contain a mystery, just an occasional one here and there. So this this one happens okay. too. It's not a spoiler to say that, I mean, the book opens with Margaret's father basically thwarting her love affair. Right. The father basically basically kept them from getting together. Correct. Yes. He did not feel that Margaret was old enough at 16 to make a wise choice, that she mm-hmm. was too young, uh, that she wanted to run off with Nathaniel. And uh, and she, he was just determined that he was going to stop that. So yes, that that is the pretty much what happens right at the very beginning. And may I give you a little uh, snippet of, of how this book came to be? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I have a very difficult time. I'm not like many writers who have so many story ideas flooding their mind all the time that they cannot begin to keep up and that they could (laughs) write, you know, a hundred books and still not put all their story ideas uh, down on paper. I am just the opposite. I struggle to come up with ideas. I really Mm -hmm. struggle to come up with ideas. It's hard for me. So I was at a one of my first writers conferences, maybe my second or third or fourth one. I mean, it was way, way back there. So obviously, this came out in 2010. I wrote it probably in 2008. So that's been 12 years ago that I wrote it. And it was prior to that, probably 2007, that I was at a writers conference. And one of the teachers, it was Stephen Bly, who has since gone on to be with the Lord, and wonderful man, wonderful writer. He writes, wrote um, Westerns, um, Christian, basically Christian-based Western, very high action and adventure. He was challenging us and talking about brainstorming and about coming up with ideas. And and uh, I, I actually said, well, how about for those of us who have a really hard time with that, what do we do? And he said, well, just come up with a what if. He said, here's one for you. I'm going to toss this out. And see see if anybody could, you know, run with this or if this sparks any ideas. He said, um, there's somebody that's just digging in a flower bed. And they are digging up an old rose that has died. And they want to plant a new rose there. And they uh, they get underneath the roots and are pulling it out. And their shovel strikes something hard. And it sounds metallic. And they keep digging. And they pull out this little intricate metal box. And it looks very, very old. And they open it and inside there's a piece of paper and it just has one word. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, wow. And that stuck with me. And I actually contacted him later and I said, would I have your permission to use that? I, I actually got a story idea from that. And that was where this, this book was. That's cool. That's a really nice And you story. probably, if you, if you read that opening scene, he's yes. out there burying a box right. that has to do with Margaret and Nathaniel. That's so cool. I love that. How does your process go from, from there usually? If, 
<laughs> I assume you don't always get your ideas from a story somebody told at a writing conference. But once you no. have the idea, <laughs> but once you have the idea, um, do you do a lot of research first? Do you start um, writing? Do you plot it out? What's your process? I, I am not. I am absolutely not a plotter. I write by the seat of my pants. I'm a pantser. So I write as the ideas come. Things happen in my books that I didn't have any idea were going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. My characters show me things, reveal things. Um, things happen that actually are a catalyst or a springboard where then something else happens as a result of that happening that I didn't realize was going to happen. And so I, I don't plot. I do do a lot of research when it comes to historical. I usually contact like a historical society, um, the local R library. I go online and do research with um, the one that's set in Tombstone. My husband and I flew down and we went to Tombstone and stayed there for two nights and three days. And we visited all of the historic spots that I could find that were there when my book took place. Um, again, with this one, with Bridal Veil, the local historian there took me around but I also go through archives. I find whatever I possibly can because oftentimes that historical data that I'm finding will give me, again, a nugget that I can put into the book. So right. I weave a lot of things that actually do happen or did happen in that town at that time with characters that actually were living at that time, if at all possible, just to bring authenticity to the book as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Okay, I just got distracted because I thought, did I say the title wrong? Um, no, you is. did not. It okay. used to be Love Finds You. And when, in fact, thank you for bringing that up because people who, who know the Love Finds You books will not be able to find it as Love Finds You in Bridal Veil anymore. When I received oh. my rights back and the, the entire Love Finds You line closed down. So I received my rights back to all four of my Love Finds You books. Um, and so I retitled three of those finding love in okay. to keep it as close as I could. So finding love in last chance, finding love in bridal veil and finding love in tombstone. And then the finding love in Sundance, I actually changed it to outlaw angel because we had a movie producer interested in that one and she wanted a different title. Um, and so we retitled that one uh, outlaw angel. Okay. But all four of them are the women, I think it's, I think I've got it, women of the, yeah, women of the West. Um, they're, they're loosely tied together, but they are all strong women in the West or in the old West. Three of them are actually more cowboy um, adventure type books. This one is a little bit different in that it's a little bit gentler, but yet it's got a mystery, you know, a murder mystery that happens in it too. Right. Okay, so this book is being made into a Hallmark movie. Yes, it is. And I understand that's being retitled. It has as, been. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> a, a different yes. title again. Um, yes, find, again. Finding Love in Mountain View. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, so tell me how this happened and what what it's been like to... Well, it happened because of the Love Finds You books. Um Years ago, way back, uh, when they were coming out one after another after another, this particular movie producer uh, had read some of those books, and she has a she and her husband have a um, or ACI inspires it's American um, American Cinema International, okay. and the, their Inspire line is their clean and family friendly movies. And so they, she had stumbled across the Love Finds You line, and she made a deal with uh, Summerside, and well, actually with Guidepost. Guidepost had just acquired it, and she made the deal with them that she was would like to make and have option some of the books. And so they allowed that. So my one, Love Finds You in Sundance, Wyoming, which became Outlaw Angel. Yeah. Uh, she read that and absolutely loved it, said it was one of her favorite of all of the books. And wow. she uh, had a script written for that book before she even realized uh, that Westerns just weren't selling. I mean, she had hope. She really thought oh. the book was strong enough and the script was strong enough and that she would be able to 
to get that sold. Uh, and um, she couldn't get it sold because no channels, TV channels were taking Westerns. Mm. She still has it sitting in her computer waiting for the day when that turns around <laughs> because she, she wants to do that one. Uh, but she contacted me and said, I love your writing. And I've read three of your four books. And I just, I just wish they were, I wish they were contemporary. Have you written any contemporaries at all? Because that's the only thing that's selling right now. Oh. And I said, actually, I have. And uh, she said, well, the reason I'm asking is because I, I like your writing so much. I'd like to partner with you. Would you be interested in writing a set of either two or three books with us for us that uh, we will be pitching as potential movies to various channels? So I wow. said, sure, who wouldn't? <laughs> and so the first one that actually came out was a contemporary, and it was Runaway Romance. And that came out in 2018, I believe, um, on Up TV, the Up TV channel. Okay. And it is uh, available on Hallmark On Demand. It's available on Up. Uh, it's available on, um, as a, if you're a prime Amazon oh, yeah. member, then you can watch it free as okay, a prime good. movie. That, that I can watch so, it. Free. Yeah, and it's also a DVD. Um, and then, then uh, we did a second one. So that my book is Runaway Romance. That is my book that mm -hmm. I wrote in conjunction with the movie. So what she did is she just gave me basically a two three sentence. Here you go. This is this is what we'd like this to be about. Can you write a book off of this? And I was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> and so I did. Yeah. That's and so I wrote the book and I was about a third of the way through when the script came out and she sent me the script um, because she, she and I brainstormed back and forth and back and forth and back and forth on exactly what was going to happen hmm. so that it would stay pretty true to the book. Okay. And, um, and so then I got the script and I was like, okay, well, this, this still works, but they've gone a little bit different direction in the middle and at the end. So I tweaked my, what I was going to do just a little bit to, to make it fit. Now on the second one, follow your heart. That one is actually releasing, uh, this coming Sunday. Wow. Yeah. And that one is not tied to runaway romance at all as far as the movie because it's a hallmark movie and the first one was an up tv movie so they are okay. not tied together however i have literary license and i was able to tie the two together in my book so you get a lot more depth and a lot more richness if you read the actual book mm -hmm. and then watch the movie or watch the movie and then read the book and see the story behind the story okay so for those who might be listening, after the movie has aired, will they be able to find it and watch it? Yeah, that, yeah. That it, it will be, well, I'm imagining that Hallmark will continue to play it. Mm -hmm. uh, Hallmark typically, you know, has reruns over and yes. over again. Um, so I'm thinking that Hallmark probably will have Follow Your Heart on again several times throughout the season. And they're all they're, They have delayed Finding Love in um, Mountain View now until spring. It was supposed to be the end of October, and it has been delayed until we don't know for sure. We now we don't have a date. It's the first trimester of 2021, is what we've been told. So um, I was disappointed. My producer yeah. was disappointed. We were all hoping it was going to be out. The movie is actually set at Thanksgiving. Oh. And so yes. we had assumed it would be late October, which was our original date that we were given or that she was given, not me. Uh, but uh, for whatever reason, it got bumped. And so it's now going to be the first unless they decide, which could happen, that, oh, gee, this is a Thanksgiving movie. So now right. we're going to wait until clear Thanksgiving in 2021. Uh. Who knows? <laughs> you know, we worked we worked on the Bridal Veil one Um and that's the Mountain View one. Right. That one, I think I started, I pitched the idea to them because the, and this is the other thing, Finding Love in Bridal Veil takes place in 1903. I think it starts in 1889 and then it jumps forward four years to 1903. Yes. So it's still very much a historical, over a hundred years ago. And yes. again, channels don't want historicals. That's so interesting to me. 
When Calls the Heart. Yeah. And Hallmark is the only real historical that has been successful. Mm. And and that's a Hallmark series. And of course, it, it's done beautifully, but they just haven't chosen to do any others. So I pitched the idea to my producer, how about taking Bridal Veil and turning that into a contemporary? So I wrote a two or three page uh, summary. It's called a movie treatment of... Um, of what I perceived could happen. They t- took that and changed it even more. So the, <clears throat> the bare bones are there of the book. It's not close to the book, but the bones are there. As far as the character names are the same, there's two kids that, that show up uh, in the main character's life. Um, the, the, the young woman, Margaret, is not a school teacher. They end up having to change that for whatever reason. So there's, yeah. there's still Nathaniel. There's still, you know, there's still Andrew. Uh, but, uh, but they've changed quite a bit of that movie, much more so than they did with Follow Your Heart or Runaway Romance. Okay. Wow. So how is that for you as an author? Well, I've kind of come to expect it. I've been doing this now, working with them for five years, I think. Um, I think it's been four and a half years ago that I met her and that we've been working together. And it's taken that it's been three and a half to four years working with Bridal Veil to see this come out. Mm. Um, A little bit less time. It was about a two, two and a half years with Runaway Romance and and Follow Your Heart, probably, that we were working on those and trying to get those out. Right. So at first, I was disappointed. But at this point, um, I've kind of gotten hardened to it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you go, well, you just it's just a blessing to be able to even have it out there. I mean, that's cool. Right. Um, I, I would have liked Bridal Veil to stay a little more true to Mm -hmm. the story, but I can understand she and I talked at length about the reasons some of the things needed to change and why it wouldn't work for a movie. They only have 82 minutes. It's, you know, it's an hour and a half. It's, it's 90 minutes, but there's eight minutes of commercials. So they have 81 or 82 minutes, which means 80 to 81 to 82 pages of script. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very, very, very tight thing where they've got to pare the story down and make it somehow work within that, that timeline. And you, you do lose a lot. I mean, you just do. There's people are oftentimes disappointed in movies, you know, from stories. Yeah. I think on follow your heart, they won't be and runaway romance because other than the secondary storylines, the primary storyline is very close. That's good. But that isn't the case with a lot of movies. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when I read a book and then I watch the movie, I I no longer expect it to be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I am I am disappointed when they change important things. <laughs> you know, right. but yes. um, but I understand that they can't they can't include everything that you get in a book. It's just not going to be the same experience. Right. Yes, yes. There's some that I that I just haven't even watched um, because I love the book so much, mm, and I've yeah. heard from other people that they were disappointed or that this or this just was not done right or done the same. And I was like, no, I just don't even want to ruin my my experience <laughs> and write the book, so I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> right. Yeah. But overall, and and that it was very exciting because. Uh, a year ago, I flew out to Mountain View, Arkansas. Oh, wow. It's in Arkansas. It's where it was filmed, and they were filming. And I had a very tight schedule myself. I had just um, gotten back from an, the ACFW conference. I was home for 24 hours, 36 hours, something like that. And I went right back to the airport and headed Mm. for that movie shoot. And I only had one day on the ground there. I got there the night before I stayed at a hotel in uh, Little Rock and drove an hour and a half to Mountain View and got to meet my producer there, which we've met before. We've, we've done some promo work together on the first movie and uh, got to be on set and, and meet the, the main characters. Um, the, the person who played Margaret and Andrew were both there. Nathaniel's scenes had already been shot. And so he was gone. Mm-hmm. And then the two kids, Sammy and Joel, 
were both there. That's the character names, of course. Right. And so that was really exciting to be able to meet yeah. all of them. I had I had pictures taken with all of them, some snapshots. And so um, I got to watch two or three scenes get shot. Mm-hmm. And and what was fun was there's one where there's a basketball game happening and the girl who is uh, 13 years old is playing in a game. And their their team is dribbling down the court. And uh, they had spectators in the stands sitting back up behind the two main characters, Margaret and Andrew, and Joel, the, the, the little boy, the brother, who is, is Samantha or Sammy's um, younger brother. And so they were all three sitting in the stands, stands. So they put people who were there to watch the shoot in the stands behind. And so I was sitting next to my producer, right behind <laughs> the main couple. That's so So cool. I actually show up. So when she makes a basket, everybody's supposed to stand up and yay, and wave their arms in the air. So I jump up in the air and I'm wearing a, a sleeveless blue shirt. And uh, and so I'm actually, I did, it did not get cut. That scene is there. And I'm actually oh. got to have a teeny little part of that movie. <laughs> awesome. That's cool. So this has been like the past five years that they've made some of your books into movies. Um, what did your career look like before that? How did you start writing? How did you start publishing? Well, I never planned to write. It was never in my mm. thoughts at all. I mean, never. So 2005, I think it was, um, I was at a church service and at the end of the service, there was a special speaker that I had heard several times over the years that our church had invited and uh, that I just had a lot of trust in, just really respected the man. And he had a, a call for prayer if anybody wanted to come forward and have prayer at the end. And I don't even remember, I didn't have anything specific or big, but I just, I just went up just to pray. And so he was going down and just kind of laying hands on and praying, you know, for people and praying with people real quietly if they had a need. And so when he came to me, he stopped and he just, um, he started praying and then he stopped and he said, I just really sense strongly that the Lord has a call in your life and you're supposed to be writing. Mm. And I was just kind of like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And he's, he said, does that witness to your spirit at all? And I said, well, I've actually had several people in the past because we've had a very varied and some interesting things that have happened over um, through our marriage and, and life and say, wow, you should, you should write some of this down. You know, these would make some great short stories or whatever. And, and I said, so yeah, kind of, I, I just haven't really thought about, he said, well, even beyond that, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's fiction or nonfiction or poetry or articles. I have no idea. I just know that I really feel strong that the Lord is saying it needs to be published. Hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, then he's going to have to do it because I don't know anything about this. (laughs) And he said, just pray about it. And I said, I will. And I did for the next two weeks. And I talked to my husband and my pastor and my mom and, and uh, <clears throat> all of them said, well, I don't see any reason. Why not? I mean, just if the Lord gives you something. And so I was kind of lost. I mean, can you imagine? I'd, I'd never been to a conference. I'd never taken a writing yeah. class. Um, I, was a, I am a prolific reader. And I was in honors English in college. And I loved writing. And I always got A's on term papers in high school. But I still mm-hmm. hadn't thought about doing anything with it. And, uh, and again, I didn't feel that I had a creative brain cell in my brain that I could come up with anything that was fiction. So I wrote two or three of those stories of things that had happened. And I sent them out to, to um, different magazines. And lo and behold, I actually had three different phone calls with magazines that said, Oh, I really like this. We'd like to publish this. And I was like, Okay, cool. I didn't know that that was unusual. I just wow. I didn't know. And yeah. so I, then I thought, okay, well, those have been published. Is that it? Maybe I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then I was conversing with someone. I was selling books on eBay. Okay. So, so funny how God uses things. And, and this lady that I sold something to 
I saw on her byline that she was an editor. And so I was, I asked her a couple of questions and she said it was for a magazine. It was a horse magazine. And I said, Oh, well, I've had a couple of things published. And, and so she ended up giving me an assignment for a big horse farm that they didn't have anybody that lived in this area that they'd love to have pictures and an article about their stallion. So I went because oh. I'm a horse person mm-hmm. and I wrote the article and she and I kept in touch. And she said, have you ever considered writing Christian fiction? And I said, Oh no, I, I couldn't write fiction. Anything I've written has been nonfiction. Well, <laughs> but it's you just come up with something. She said, come up with something from your own life and then fictionalize it. And I'm thinking, okay. And it was like a light bulb went on. And Mm. when, when um, it had been a number of years earlier, we received a letter from a young woman who had just turned 18 and it was quite a shocking letter. And it said, uh, dear Alan Farrell, I think you're my dad. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it said a whole lot more than that, but we did some investigating and we met her and in my husband's pre-Christ days, he had had a short, very short relationship with a young woman and uh, she had gotten pregnant and they had moved out of the area just shortly after that. And so um, we did not know this little girl growing up. And we now, we just talked to her last night. We're, we're in constant touch with her and, and uh, mm. her kids. And so um, that story, that incident ignited something in my brain. And I know that I know that I know that is the book that God wanted to publish. That is the one that I've had more letters and more changed lives at a, as a result of that one book than any other book that I've written. Wow. It's called The Other Daughter. And it's about a 13-year-old girl who is dumped at literally on the doorstep after her um, mom dies. So it's not based on fact, but it's just the idea of a child that a couple doesn't know existed turning up on their doorstep and how that impacts their marriage and their family. So it's really the story. It's really Suzanne, the mom's story and how it impacts her when this child arrives that she doesn't know anything about that her husband has not told her about and that he didn't even know about, but she's not sure she believes that. So it's Mm. a story of broken trust and, and restoration and healed relationships. But that was how I started. And I wrote that I wrote that book about 85,000 words in five weeks. What? <laughs> yeah, trust me, that was, that was um, a marathon. I, I, didn't, I didn't hardly sleep. I didn't hardly oh eat. My I sat at my computer and I just typed as fast as I could. There was not a single place in that book where it slowed down, where, where I struggled, where I hit blank screen, where I didn't know what happened next. Wow. I couldn't get it out fast enough. I've never had it happen since. That's why I know that was the Holy Spirit that was rusting on that book. So, but, but, but I hadn't even thought about that. It it went several, several months with doing the articles, the magazine articles. And, and then I started writing that book. And then I was like, now what, what do I do with it? I mean, I don't know what to do with it. And I actually wrote an autobiography first of just lots of different things that had happened from the time we got married forward and answers to prayer and things that the Lord had done in our lives. And, and then I was like, well, that's, nobody's going to want that because I'm an, I'm not anybody. I'm not a mm-hmm. big name sports person or actor, actress or whatever. So, so then when I wrote the other daughter, I was like, I didn't know what to do with it. But then somebody invited me to a one day writers conference that I heard about in there in our area And then I ended up going to the Oregon Christian Writers Conference um, just a few months later. That was a a four-day conference here in our area, Mm -hmm. only about an hour, hour and a half drive away. And I met um, an editor for Kriegel. And I I didn't pitch the book. I mean, I I didn't mean to. I didn't even know I was. And I didn't have (laughs) any pitch sessions. I didn't sign up with an editor or anything else. I just was having breakfast. And this lady and her husband sat down across from me and and introduced themselves, but I didn't know that she was an editor at the time. Mm-hmm. And she said, Oh, well, what are you writing? 
And so I just gave her a real quick little overview. And she was like, Oh, wow. And she starts asking questions and more questions. Oh, I really like this idea. And, uh, and she said, she gave him her card. And she said, I'm going to call, I'm going to call the leader acquisition editor at Creedle. She says, I think he's, he would be interested in this. I'm like, Oh, really? Oh, okay. And I'm still so green. <laughs> so green. You know, I, I just, I had sent out, actually, I had gotten a copy of it because of that writers, one writers conference, the one day when I'd heard about the Christian writers market guide. And mm-hmm. that was where I had gotten the idea to send out a couple of the articles. And I also had sent out um, just a query letter to several agents about my book. And I had sent it to a couple of publishers with a query letter. And so I hadn't gotten, I'd gotten several rejections from agents. And so when I went to this conference, um, the, uh, I saw the lady the next day and I said, were you serious about talking to your acquisitions editor? And she said, Oh yes, I already did. I called him. He wants it. Oh my (laughs) God. He wants to see it. And she said, give me your email address and he'll, uh, he'll, he'll write to you. Well, he did. And he said, we'd like to see the manuscript. And so as a result of that, I, I landed an agent and uh, Creekle took the book and they fast-tracked it. That wow. conference was in August or September. And the book came out 12 months later. Um, so it wow. came out two years after I wrote that first rough draft, a year and a half to two years after I wrote that first rough draft. And it's just been nonstop since then. I mean... And every door the Lord has opened with the the Summerside Love Finds You books, it was because I met a lady at a writer's conference who was became a dear friend. And she read my first book and loved it. And Summerside got hold of her and said, we're starting a new line. And we know you write uh, romances. Would you be willing to write for us? She said, I can't. I'm under contract with Bethany and it's an exclusive. So I can't do that. Uh, but they said, would you recommend two or three other people that, you know, oh yes. And she gave them my name. Well, all I'd written was the other daughter and the sequel finding Gina. And I hadn't Mm. written anything else and I hadn't written any romances. And that was a, those were both contemporary women's fiction, no romance, no historical. And Mm. so the editor contacts me and says, um, Kim Vogel Wright suggested that we contact you. And we'd like to know if you'd be interested in writing for us. I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. And so they assigned Last Chance California. So I start researching it. And I have the first three chapters written as a contemporary romance. And I don't ever say I will never write such and such. I made the comment when I was writing straight women's contemporary fiction, I will never write romance. And then it was, I will never write historical. And then it was, I would never write kids books. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I now have all of the above. <laughs> right. So uh, I found out that last chance I was, I had three chapters, which is still on my computer of that book as a contemporary. And I called my editor and said, Rachel, I just found out last chance doesn't exist. And it was a mining town in the 1800s and the forest service, basically it was abandoned by the 1940s or 50s and everything has been gone since the 1960s and it was a booming town in the 1800s and I've already started writing this as a contemporary what do I do and she says well just change it to a historical you can do that can't you I'm like oh sure why not (laughs) (laughs) so that's how I got my start with historicals and let me tell you what that was my niche. I found out that I was in love with writing historicals. I was in oh. love with writing the Old West. And that yeah. is my passion. That is my love. That's that's what I what I write and what I really, really, really enjoy writing. Oh, I think that's wonderful because I love historical fiction, obviously. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. So did you also say I will never found a publishing house? Or uh, if, if I would have ever thought of that, trust me, that would have been one of my top nevers that I would ne- my husband and I have owned a couple of different businesses. And mm-hmm. I had said, we will never have another business. I end up doing all of the. <laughs> he does he does the physical work. I do all of the other type of work the be- behind the scenes. <clears throat> and um, 
No, I would have said that. And this, this did not happen on purpose either. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I am the publisher and owner, proud publisher and owner of Mountain Brook Inc. I-N-K. So a, 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 a flowing brook of ink is what it depicts. And that is what our logo shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I lost my home with David C. Cook. That's where my kids books started. They did the first four and then I've done two since then and I'm working on a third. And they did a set of uh, three historical romances set in Baker City, Oregon, which I also traveled to and got to research. And as I said, I, I do that with all of my historicals. And they closed their fiction line. And so I decided to just take a sabbatical and take some time and pray and think and just rest. And so in during that time, when I wasn't pitching to other companies or trying to find another publishing home, I wrote a novella, a long novella. It's a short novel, really, that fit in the Love Blossoms in Oregon, the Baker City, Oregon series. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cook had given me permission to go ahead and do a spinoff for that. And so I, I decided I'd self-publish it. But I didn't like the idea of it showing Amazon services as the publisher. So I came up with Mountain Brook Inc. Just, we used to live on a little road, country road that was called Mountain Brook. Oh. And so I published it. It came out. And a couple of months, two, three months later, my brother contacts me, sends me an email and says, um, how did your book end up getting on CBD, Christian Book Distributors? And I said, oh, it's no. He said, he, he says, I didn't think that independent published books could ever be be there and I said oh it's not and he said well yes it is and I'm like well I didn't give it to him I can't imagine so I sat down and pulled up their online catalog and typed it in and sure enough there it was (laughs) so I called them and said how did my book get here and um I see it's only in print can I get it in ebook too and they said well uh, we picked it up because we saw that it was connected to and part of the same series that's been selling really well with us, your Love Blossoms in Oregon series. And so we added this since it's part of that series. I said, great. And they said, but we're not affiliated. We don't have an actual any kind of agreement with Mountain Brook Inc., your publisher. Uh, we're buying it through one of the other, you know, through a distributor. And if you're interested in having more books with us, then we would need to see their catalog and you need a minimum that they would need a minimum of 10 books in their catalog before we would uh, take any other books. We just took this one because it's affiliated associated with your series. And because we, we carry other books of yours and I'm thinking 10 books, 10 books. I don't think I could write 10 books really fast. So how do I do this? (laughs) (laughs) And the Lord brought two, three different people to me that other fiction houses had closed. And this was the time period when a lot of the big publishers were closing their fiction lines and going with strictly nonfiction. And wow. I had different friends that I knew that were saying, wow, I just, I just lost my contract because <sighs> so-and-so closed their line. Right. And so I said, well, I can help you. And that's all I figured that it was going to be, you know, I'd supply an ISBN number and I'd help them and they can do it under the umbrella of Mountain Brook Inc. So we had two or three that I did that with that I helped. And then my own three, four books that I put out. And then suddenly we had 10. And, uh, and then word started spreading. And before I knew it, people were contacting me and then agents were contacting me. And now Mm. seven years later, we have, by the end of this year, I think we're going to have 90 books out. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, lots going on. And let me tell you, like I said, every step of the way, it has been the Lord directing it. I have, Mm. I feel like, I mean, everything from the movie to my first agent to my first contract to this publishing house to, you know, the different contracts that I've gotten, it's the Lord has been opening doors. And it all points back to that first prophetic word of you're supposed to be writing, and it's supposed to be published. And if it hadn't been for that, I, I would probably still be just selling books on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're not doing that, that anymore. So Yes, me too. <laughs> I love what I do. I love, love, love what I do. Oh, that's and wonderful. It's, it's, been, it's truly been a joy, just a joy to follow the Lord and what he wants me to be doing. I, I don't know what the next step is going to be or how long I'll be doing what I'm doing. I'm just, I hold all of it with open hands. Mm, Yes. So you said that 
um, you're just, you're passionate about historical fiction. I wondered, um, how do you think learning about history through story helps us approach life in the present? Oh my, we, we learn so much from what came before. Mm -hmm. And I mean, at least we should be learning so much (laughs) from what came before. There are so many life lessons and, and it's, especially in, in fiction, even I should say, even in fiction, mm-hmm. I have spoken at different conferences and a variety of places where I will ask how many of you here actually read fiction. And it's shocking to me when it's, when it's not a fiction writers conference, like it's just a church setting or a women's conference. And, and I will sometimes get a third to half of the people that raise their hands that read fiction. And I'm like, and the rest of you don't read fiction at all? No, no. Like, wow, I just, I can't even conceive of that. And, and I have talked to so many people that feel like it's just a waste of time. And, and I challenge them, but you must try. I, and I generally will give away one of my books. I will say, um, is there someone here that has never read a fiction book that would actually be willing to try one? And I'll have a hand come up and I'll say, okay, I'm giving you one. See me at the book table. To me, there's so much, there's so much in history. There's so much in, in fiction that we can learn and take from other people's stories, from mistakes, from triumphs, from tragedies, from experience and be able to mold that into our own lives that I just, um, I, I can't say enough about historical fiction and just history. I love history. I watch the, my husband and I watch the history channel. We have mm-hmm. uh, so many things on TV that we love that have to do with history. We love going to museums. I'm just so grateful that I have a husband that has the same type of passion and love for history that I do. Yeah. So to finish up, who is your favorite historical fiction author? And what's one of the oh best historical novels you've read this year? I know it's okay. hard to narrow it down. <laughs> Actually, probably not terribly hard. I would have to say Francine Rivers. Okay. And I this is the second time I've read her Mark of the Lion series. I just finished on audiobook. I cannot read a book anymore. I don't have time. I, mean, I, I edit typically mm-hmm. 12 books a year. And mm-hmm. so that's my reading. I'm editing and reading those books. And so I don't have time to sit and just for pleasure read. So I listen to audio constantly. Right. And I just finished the first two books. I've still got the third one to go in the Mark of the Lion series by Francine Rivers, which is a biblical setting. Mm. I also yes. love her Redeeming Love series, which was an Old West series or yes. uh, standalone set in the Old West. Yes. She is one of the most fantastic, brilliant writers that I have ever read. And I have a lot of historical writers that I love, but I think for depth and um, takeaway, she would be at the top of my list. Yeah. She's kind of in a class by herself. I mean, she is, (laughs) she really is. Yes. Well, it was wonderful talking with you, Marilee. Um, where Thank can listeners, you. yeah, where can listeners buy your books? Uh, Christianbook.com, uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, uh, okay. just pretty much any any online yeah. uh, retailer site, book site carries my books. I think the only one right now that has follow, follow Your Heart is uh, for the movie that's coming up next Sunday. And it's, mm-hmm. it, I will say on that Hallmark movie real quickly, it's Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. It's not the main Hallmark channel, okay. which I was kind of bummed about that. It's the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries channel. Um, and it's at six o'clock Pacific, nine o'clock Eastern on Sunday. And they're airing uh, little 30 minute uh, teasers right now on the two different Hallmark channels. So But I think follow the heart is follow your heart. I think Amazon is the only place that has that yet. Uh, Christianbook.com will soon, but they just don't yet. Okay. But all the rest of my books are just about anywhere you can go. And and if you go to my website, you can see more about my books as well. My website or mountainbrookinc.com has all of my uh, books with them listed. It does not have my outside books listed. 
So you'd have okay. to go to my website for that. And your website is merelyferrell.com? Yes. Mm-hmm. As, as long as it, I'm assuming that you will probably have the correct spelling <laughs> down with this <laughs> I podcast. Try. Because, I'm, yeah. My name is spelled Allison with one L. So I'm a stickler for spelling names correctly. And now that I said that, I will probably make a mistake somewhere in somebody's name. Where's the best, what's the best social media to follow you on? Do you? Merrily um, Feral fan group, Merrily Feral fan group on Facebook or Instagram, Merrily okay. Feral, Merrily Feral um, underscore author uh, okay. on Instagram. Those two places would probably be the best. I'm not real big on Twitter. Uh, I'm just kind of starting to stay away from that. It's getting too, uh, too volatile and political. So I yeah. use Facebook and Instagram a lot and mm-hmm. then my website those would be the three places. And there, I do have a newsletter sign up on my, uh, at my website also, if somebody wants to get my newsletter. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you for being on the show today, Merrily. Well, thank you for hosting me. I just really appreciate it. And I cannot believe how fast the hour went in my word. I thought, <laughs> what are we going to find to talk about for an hour? But this has been, <laughs> this has been a truly a pleasure. Yes, for me too. Thanks. So there you have it, my friends. Make sure you go find Merrily's movie from the heart this Sunday. That's October 4th, 2020. I am so grateful to you guys for listening to this podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. Every week, I feel like it gets a little bit better and we um, I maybe get a little bit better at interviewing and our conversations are fantastic. So I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. If you are, could you please hit that subscribe button? And if you could also leave a rating and review, that would really help me out, get this podcast out to more people, share it with someone who you know would enjoy it, who loves historical fiction and wants to be introduced to more authors and more books they'd love to read. Well, friends, I loved when Merrily said, we learned so much from what came before. Edmund Burke said something similar. He said, in history, a great volume is unrolled for our instruction, drawing the materials of future wisdom from the past errors and infirmities of mankind. So let's keep drawing the materials for future wisdom by reading historical fiction. (laughs) 